Welcome to our final episode of Galatians. Can we even call it an episode? I think it's kind of like the follow-up. Installment. Bonus. Yeah. Bonus Bonus episode. episode. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. We keep talking about getting our own theme music. I feel like this should be like this. Next semester. (laughs) We're both musicians. We should be able to make this happen. Oh, wow. We made it. Thank you for staying with us for the long haul. Um, last week we talked about sowing and reaping, and I hope that you have reaped much goodness and truth and growth from your time in Galatians. I'm certain that you have, um, because we are guaranteed, um, through the Holy Spirit that we will reap what we sow and you have, um, sowed good seeds in the book of Galatians this semester. So thank you for coming along on the journey with us. Today, we just wanted to give an overview um, of the book of Galatians, and several of you have posted questions that we wanted to touch on as well. Um, We're not going to go in super depth with those questions today, um, but we have been so encouraged to see how many of you are really digging in and asking big, hard, important questions Theologians everywhere around here. I love it so much. Um, Abby is with me again. Abby Hummel. Yes. Hello. Hello. This week, and I'm Joy Knight. And we had planned to have Susan Jett back with us again this week, have the whole gang back together again. That would have been great. But Susan and Calvin welcomed a new grandbaby over the weekend and have flown out to Texas to help out. Um, so we are sad to miss her, but excited for her to hold that sweet baby. So as we've considered together as a team how best to respond to some of the questions and how to end our study together, one of the universal reactions that we've all had as a team is that we want to make sure that you understand that we are co-learners alongside of you. We do not have all the answers. And the beauty of the Word and the Spirit is that we can never exhaust its resources this side of glory. So we know where all the answers lie. We don't fully understand all of them. And we are still mining its depths in the word as co-learners with you. Uh, Some of you may have studied Galatians for the fifth time or the 20th time. And some of you may be studying your Bible for the very first time this fall. The beauty is that we all have treasures to be unearthed. And we all learn from each other in the process, no matter where you are. This is why studying the Bible in community is so important and so beautiful. Um, The other thing to note. And that we all agree on is that we have been each chewing on and asking and processing these big, important, hard questions for decades. So if some of those questions came up for you as you've been studying Galatians, buckle up because you've got a ride ahead of you. It's only just beginning. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts unsearchable. Who can know them? But he invites us in. And increments to the journey of knowing him and his ways as we journey. Um, It's okay to sit in the tension of not knowing, fully understanding these big questions. And hopefully they will take you deeper into the word and deeper into a knowing of who God is as you continue to wrestle and stretch yourself um, as you ask these big questions. Um, As we worked through Paul's letter to the Galatians, we encountered what we call doctrines of the faith that some of you may have known since you could talk and others of you, uh, they may be new. All a doctrine is, a doctrine can sound like a really big 
um, academic word, but all a doctrine is is a belief or a set of beliefs held by a church or a group of believers. We also, um, that word doctrine comes from the word for catechism or catechesis, which we talked about last week too. Um, I do love how John Piper defines doctrine as theological trademarks, Uh, but it's important to understand that these are not new or distinctive to just our church, Christ Central, or even our denomination. Um, that, And he says, he goes on to say, John Piper, in his book, Doctrine Matters, that these doctrines all have wide foundations in the Bible and deep roots in the history of God's people. When we say trademarks, we mean truths that are defining and shaping and precious. We don't mean views that we've come up with and that set us off from the rest of the Church of Christ. We don't want to be set off. We want to be arm in arm with millions of faithful followers of God's Word. Truth does divide, but it also unites, and it is the uniting power of truth that we delight in most. So these ideas are not created by man, but they are truths found in the Word of God. And the doctrines are found all throughout the Bible. And I know that you talk about that a lot, um, Abby, too. But as we unpack the Word of God one book at a time, verse by verse, we're going to see these doctrines unfold time and time again. And the really great news for all of us, for you and me, is that we don't have to have a seminary degree to embrace them. You don't have to have a podcast or take a class. Those things are helpful, in mining those truths, but God made himself knowable through his word and the spirit. And because of the work of Christ that granted us access to the father and the presence of the Holy spirit, he invites us to know him. Um, it is of utmost importance that our thoughts and doctrines be supported by God's word, not our own or our own feelings or our own life experiences with God and the world, but through the word of God. Uh, We mentioned at the very beginning of the study that the book of Galatians can be divided into three main parts. You have the biography of Paul at the beginning and establishment of his apostolic authority in chapters one and two. And then we have the theology of salvation by faith through grace and Christ alone or the doctrine of justification in chapters three and four. And then finally, we have the practical implications of that doctrine, the life lived in the Holy Spirit in chapters five and six. This is often referred to as our sanctification, doctrine of sanctification. In hindsight, we can see Paul answering these three questions for the Galatians that are relevant for us today as well. Um, The first question being the question of authority. How do we know what and whom to believe or not believe? And then um, the second question, the question of salvation. How do we get right with God, restored to his favor and fellowship? And then the third question, the question of holiness. What are we to do with sin and how do we live a righteous life of love? So we see in the beginning that Paul and Barnabas brought the gospel to the Galatians. When they left, the Judaizers came in from Jerusalem, also claiming the tenets of the gospel, but adding that since they believed that Jesus was the Christ and died for their sins, they must now be circumcised and follow the Old Testament laws in order to be saved. So who were the Galatians supposed to believe or listen to? Both had credentials. Both were holy, godly, intelligent. Both had strong convictions and articulate arguments. Who should they choose? And we have similar choices in the modern church. But instead of two viewpoints, we have a plethora. (laughs) Many of them seem holy and right. Many of the leaders are convincing and winsome, credentialed and intelligent. So how are we to know who's right and who to believe? 
Um, I think you mentioned earlier too, Abby, like you, all you have to do is walk into Target. <laughs> right. Because it's, you know, we can have this conversation of, okay, so my pastor says this and I read this in my Bible and then someone else says this, or I read some Christian blogger that said something else, but it's also like you walk into Target and there's a million books telling you how to, how to have a good life. You're like, you need to do this. Um, you need to just be free and be fierce or any number, every, you know, every popular Mm -hmm. writer sort of has their own flavor Mm -hmm. and like 75% of it could be excellent. You could get some great tips on how to make decisions or how to Mm -hmm. do anything in your life that you need to do. And you could apply those and be honoring God. But if the overall message is really not rooted in scripture or rooted, you know, in the Holy spirit, it's Mm -hmm. the, the full counsel of what they're offering you does not lead you to eternal life. Right. The word of God, um, the Holy Spirit and Abbas, the word of God, yeah, not the word of men. So how did Paul respond to the Galatians? The Judaizers claimed that their authority came from the Jerusalem church. Paul asserted his authority as directly from Christ. He spends chapters one and two arguing and proving through his own story that it was Christ who authorized him, not another apostle or church, but Christ. Um, that They accepted his message under that authority when he first arrived and expected them to continue to recognize his authority while it was being contradicted and questioned by the Judaizers. So how are we supposed to decide whose voice to listen to? And it's the exact same way. We test the voices by the teachings of the apostles of Jesus Christ that is now preserved for us in the New Testament. And we call this um, the authority of the word. Or what did you... Like the reliability of scripture. Yeah, reliability yeah. of scripture. That's right. Authority of the word. It regulates the beliefs and practices of the church from generation to generation. So the word of God is our main plumb line, the test against all the teachings. If you read a book and something in your spirit pricks, hmm, then I would say test it with the word of God. Um, it is, that is what we rely on. That is our fulcrum. And that's a great question, too, because this can come up in conversation. Someone says something and you know it's not right or you're questioning, how could that really be right? You can always ask that simple question. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you have any Bible verses to go along with this? Where do you see that in Scripture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even Paul said at the beginning, even if I or an angel were to give you any message other than the one I gave you when I first came to you, let us be accursed. So, And he encourages the Bereans Test everything that I say with the word of God. So that is our test with false teaching of any kind, true teaching of any kind. We test it Mm -hmm. with the word of God, which is why it is so important that we remain in the word. Mm -hmm. It's why we keep doing these studies over and over and over again. We're building literacy to help us prove what is good and right and true. So moving on, question two. Um, He addressed the question of salvation. This is in chapters three and four. How can sinners be justified or accepted in the sight of God? The Judaizers were saying that sinners are justified through good works. Paul's answer is that sinners are justified only through the atoning death of Jesus on the cross. Why was the cross the subject of Paul's preaching? We see in chapters 3 verse 1 that he was placarding Christ or sandwich boarding Christ everywhere (laughs) he went. And... um, and Christ was the subject, or cross was the subject of his boasting. We see that in chapter 6, 14. Um, and here is just a brief reading of a couple passages from Galatians. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the evil age. 
The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. Mm -hmm. And Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse himself. The curse meant for us, because we've all broken God's law, was transferred to Christ on the cross. He bore our curse and imputed, there's one of those big theological words, imputed, which means transferred his righteousness to us so that we might receive the blessing God promised to Abraham. This is why the gospel is called good news. So what do we need to be saved? Nothing. Jesus did it all. That's what Paul is telling us. Jesus did it all. Our part is belief in Jesus. And even this is a gift of God. What is it that we are believing about Jesus? What is it that we're trusting? What we're trusting is that his work was a complete work, a finished work, a work we need not add anything to, and that he will apply all the benefits to us that he won with his death. If we could contribute anything, even our own faith, then we take away from the adequacy of Christ's finished work. And this is why Paul calls the cross a stumbling block. Because it's hard for people to acknowledge that they contribute nothing. It's hard for me to acknowledge that I contribute nothing. We all have this longing to have some good in us that could somehow earn our position. That salvation is a free gift given on the grounds of Christ's death and that we contribute absolutely nothing is not in our nature. <laughs> not, um, it's not a desire to do better. It's not some of me and my effort and the rest Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and Christ made you alive again. R.C. Sproul uses the example of Lazarus to illustrate this. Lazarus was dead in the tomb. The only power in the universe that could have made that corpse alive again was the power of God. Christ did not invite Lazarus to come out or wait until Lazarus was ready to cooperate. Lazarus was dead and Jesus commanded, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus cooperated by walking out of the tomb, but there was no cooperation involved in his transition from death to life. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. God made you alive again in Christ. And this is what we call the doctrine of justification, that we have, we have now been made right with God. God is counted just because Christ took the punishment that we deserved. And we are now counted righteous because of Christ's record put on us, the doctrine of justification. So um, our final question there is the question of holiness that we see in chapters 5 and 6. Really the end of 4, moving into 5 in chapter 6. Um, if we are justified by faith, are we then sanctified or made holy any differently? Is it up to us to pull up our Christian bootstraps and just do the right thing? Paul says, if you were justified by faith, why would you then go on in the flesh? Um, and as I continue to revisit the gospel of Christ alone and meditate on the goodness and glory of who God is and all the benefits bestowed on me through the promise to Abraham, the spirit conforms me from the inside out to the likeness of Christ. And this overflows into goodness and truth and beauty in my life. I love how Paul talks about the same concept in his letter to the Philippians when he said, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Mm. That the same God that works in you to, to save you mm -hmm. and calls you to faith is also the same God that gives you the power to do what pleases him. Mm -hmm. um, because Paul does 
reiterate um, in chapter five and chapter six that there are actions that are in line with what God wants for us that are walking in the spirit. And there are actions and things you can do with your life that are not, Mm. that are sowing to the flesh, that are sowing to death and destruction. Mm. And it's easy to, um, it's easy to feel like the Galatians like, well, I'm free, so I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul addresses this at length in chapter five. And it's easy for us to look around and say, are we, do we have anything in common with them? They were this ancient Near Eastern, you know, agrarian society, and Mm -hmm. we are living in this totally different context. And maybe those rules made sense for them, but do we really need to do that anymore? And Paul and Jesus in his teaching all throughout the gospels are pretty clearly telling us, yes, Mm -hmm. there is still a moral code. Mm -hmm. Now we have the same problem though as the people in the Old Testament and the people before Christ is that we keep not doing a very good job of keeping up with these moral codes Mm -hmm. and we keep failing. Mm -hmm. So this then I feel like leads us into the other big question that goes along with sanctification and what does it look like to live a holy life Mm -hmm. um, is this question that we talk about with our nerdy academic lingo as the perseverance of the saints. So Mm -hmm. like, what do I do with my faith? Does Mm -hmm. this, is this something that goes with me through my whole life? Do I, am I still a Christian if I fall into grave sin? Mm -hmm. Does someone who falls into serious sin and does not repent and walks away from God entirely, was that person a Christian in the first place? Um, These are the questions that we wrestle with as we walk with God through life after salvation. I know I certainly have. Mm -hmm. And this is honestly, this has been heavy on my heart pretty much as long as I have called on the name of the Lord, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, you know, I have experienced periods of doubt in my own life seasons where my spiritual journey feels really dark and heavy and painful. Like maybe I've been abandoned by God or that he's not good for me, that I don't sense his love. And it's easy to say, so do Christians feel like that? If that's what spirituality looks like for a season, do I need to become a Christian again? Um, After that, when I thought I was a Christian before or when I, you know, am able to affirm that, yes, God is good and God is for me. Um, The Galatians who were believers and then had believed errant theology certainly must have been working through the same thing as they're reading Paul's letter. Like, okay, so we were believers, but then we believed this thing that was wrong. So were we Christians? And then if you've also been a Christian, ideally you're in relationship with other Christians and you're going to watch through, through your Christian life, you are going to watch other Christians fall into grave sin and you're going to watch other Christians walk away from their faith entirely. And then this leaves us with the question of like, so were they saved? What do I do if someone that I really trusted, um, someone that I learned a lot from, maybe a mentor or someone you were really close to, um, walks away from the faith and says that they're not a believer. Like, what do you do with that? That can really shake you. Mm-hmm. I have, a, you know, a pastor that somebody that I really loved that I felt like really taught me a lot about God, um, you know, has now like apostatized and walked away. Someone I personally mm-hmm. knew. Um, and I have other friends that have done the same thing. And, and then, you know, other people in my life that I wonder just like, where are they really at? Mm-hmm. That's hard to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been burning on my mind for a you know, probably 20 years. And I don't have like one solid argument or one book or one sermon I can send you to, to say, this is what you need to understand Mm -hmm. how this all works out. But what I can tell you 
is that I've been wrestling and I've been wrestling with my Bible in my lap. Mm -hmm. And I encourage you to do the same thing. I'm going to offer just a few quick um, scriptural. I'm going to try not to take too long. (laughs) But I have a few Bible verses that I think are really helpful for guiding you through that. And then um, my all-time favorite resource will come up at the end. It's nerdy, but it is wonderful. So um, maybe one of the most important principles is that salvation belongs to the Lord. Revelation 7 gives us this like cataclysmic worship service in God's eternal kingdom where, you know, this great multitude is that is beyond number is crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. And ultimately, it is not my job to decide for sure if someone was elect for salvation or not. It is not my job to determine the sincerity of their faith. Salvation belongs to God. And so it is his work that does that. It is his work that sustains that in my Mm -hmm. life. And I can trust God that he knows what he's doing with that. Mm -hmm. Another excellent, excellent principle that has a verse I memorized a long time ago because it was a Steve Green song and it has just (laughs) stuck with me. And it has been so precious to me this year. Um, for numerous reasons, but Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work mm-hmm. will be faithful to complete it in you at the day of Christ Jesus. And it is so easy to look at my own lack of spiritual maturity or someone else's and wonder, like, where are things really at with the Lord? Um, it is easy to look at a, you know, someone, a conversation I had with someone, or it's easy to look at an article or something where someone that I respected kind of in the public sphere, you know, is turning away from God. Um, It's easy to look at that and kind of despair a little bit. But this verse calls us to hope Mm -hmm. because life can be long. Jesus loves hard and he does not give up. Mm -hmm. And I love also John 10, which we studied a few years ago. No one can snatch, um, no one can snatch them out of my hand. And Jesus Mm -hmm. is talking about Um, his sheep, the people that are in his sheepfold. No one can snatch them out of my hand. The father who's given them to me is greater than all, meaning any false shepherds or false teachers or any other forces of evil. So if someone is, is saved, they may go through periods, even long periods of doubt or prolonged sin, but God will restore them to himself through the course of their life. Um, And so if they're saved, they will be walking in their newness of life again before reaching death. Mm -hmm. So the nerdy perseverance of the saints. Mm -hmm. Um, This goes, uh, maybe the best place to go for this, I think, is the catechism. Mm. Just, I mean, we are circling back here. (laughs) Joy uh, mentioned this a little bit in this discussion of doctrines earlier. Um, But I have found so much comfort in being part of churches that just embrace wholeheartedly this Meta narrative of scripture. This is all God's big story. And then, especially when we back it up with um, these frameworks for talking through hard questions in these mm-hmm. catechisms. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go to the Westminster Shorter Catechism. <clears throat> um, the Heidelberg Catechism also is excellent, but not quite as broad. So depending on what you need, um, those can be both great places to go. So if you're not familiar, these are great. They basically take you through the really, really hard questions of faith. What is justification? What does it mean to be saved? Can I lose my salvation? What does the Lord's Supper mean? What does baptism mean? So on and so forth at length. So they answer this at length with copious references. And you can read an answer 
which might seem a little bit dense or feel a little bit archaic in the language, but overall it takes less time and it's easier than reading a whole book or trying to just figure this out on your own. And then they never expect you to just take their word for it. They'll include a huge list of scripture references that you can check out and refer back to as you study for yourself. So, um, I love the way that the Westminster Shorter Catechism talks about this. We say shorter. This is one chapter. This is chapter 17. And then there's three different um, kind of answers or paragraphs with untold numbers of scriptures. But um, what they, how they address this question is, Those whom God has accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. And then they give you one, two, three, four, five scriptures. And then they go on. The perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but upon the immutability of the decree of election flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father and upon the efficacy and merit of the merit and intercession of Jesus Christ, the abiding of the Spirit, and the seed of God within them, and the nature of the covenant of grace from all which arises also the certainty and infallibility thereof. Mm. I said it was a little bit archaic. <clears throat> that is okay. You are then given another huge list of scriptures. Mm. And then we go on, um, and I won't I won't keep reading, but then we go on to discuss what do you do if you're tempted? Um, what happens if you are in a state of sin for a long time? We go on and discuss this. So if those are questions burning in your heart, like they have been burning in mine for all mm. of this time, you have answers and you have a huge list of scriptures. And if How you were, would you recommend people <laughs> wrestling with that? Okay. And specifically. Exactly. <laughs> so you're listening to this podcast. You're probably hopefully doing your homework and learning how to deeply study your Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've been going to other events at church, we have also been practicing a bunch of other Bible study muscles in reflective reading, sometimes called Lectio Divina, but this quiet, consistent, reflective reading. And I think both are very necessary Mm -hmm. to really understand God's word. Mm -hmm. So what I would do, what I would recommend for someone who's asking this question or any other question, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of catechism answers, Mm -hmm. and this is a great framework for you, is, you know, read through the answers, but copy down those references copy down those references and then maybe just pick one a day mm-hmm. spend five ten minutes really slowly read it mm-hmm. read it out loud have someone read it over you if you have a roommate or a family member that might be able to do that um, and sit there in stillness mm-hmm. you know listen to different words see what sticks out to you spend some time praying Make a note of what God has revealed to you. And I mean, you could spend a couple months doing this on any one topic, but I think if you did that, you would come away with a much deeper understanding of God's word mm-hmm. and what he says to us mm-hmm. and how he meets you in those deep questions. Mm-hmm. Because you can wrestle with this with your Bible in your lap and God will meet you there. Mm-hmm. That's so good, Abby. Well, I think, um, you know, we want to, before we close, offer out some resources that have been helpful for us, both in just studying Galatians in general, but then also some resources that have helped as specific questions have come up. Um, And we'll list off some of those here. We also uh, want to offer you guys, I, I think the plan is for us to come up with a document that just has a list of resources that we recommend, and uh, the pastors will have some that they can also add to that that they recommend, um, just so you can have in your hands if you ever wanted to 
look for um, a book or a sermon, but then um, we also wanted to kind of throw out there that the pastors are also planning to address some of these doctrinal questions in a fuller, more in-depth way. We're not sure what the format will look like yet, but in the, in the new year, um, keep your ears to the ground because that will be coming um, in some form or fashion, a more in-depth uh, teaching conversation around some of these doctrines that we hold to. Um, I also think the attitude in which we ask these questions matters. Um, and I know you and I have talked about that too, but, um, an attitude of trusting God and his goodness. Um, and also I think the more that we look to the gospel and understand the depth of the depravity of our own sin, um, then the more we see the goodness and the grace and the mercy in God that he would, um, stoop, that he would stoop down to mm-hmm. us and offer, a way for us to know him and be made right with him again. Um, so just as we talk through some of these, um, actually, I'm just going to read a little bit from one of the resources that I've used um, by R.C. Sproul. It's a book on systematic theology. Oh, crap, I just lost my place. <laughs> it's a book on systematic um, theology by R.C. Sproul. It's called Everyone's a Theologian. And I think I actually got it from Christ Central years ago when I was taking um, some kind of class. But it's a great resource that asks specific questions around doctrine. But um, I was going to read this one section. And this is actually on the section on election and reprobation. But I think it applies to all of these harder questions that we're asking um, Um, He says that um, all of these big questions must be treated with great care and humility because it can easily be distorted so as to cast a shadow on the integrity of God. If handled wrongly, these doctrines can make God look like a tyrant who plays with his creatures, who rolls the dice with respect to our salvation. Distortions of this sort are many, and if you struggle... You're not alone. On the other hand, I believe the struggle is worthwhile because the more we probe, the more we come to see the magnificence of God and the sweetness of his grace and mercy. Um, And then later on in that same chapter, he goes on to say, um, God never punishes innocent people, but he does redeem guilty people. He does not redeem them all, and he is under no obligation to redeem any. The amazing thing is that he redeems some. And as we look at that sweet grace and mercy of God, we can rejoice in our own salvation that he would redeem us. So I mentioned that one resource that is more of a systematic theology resource by R.C. Sproul. Um, Everyone's a theologian. Um, The commentaries that we used as we were working through the book of Galatians um, probably I don't know if I could pick a, a favorite, but the one I used the most often was The Message of Galatians by John Stott. Um, fantastic. Um, I also used some of Philip Ryken's commentary on Galatians, the Reformed Expository Commentary. Um, and then I really, I mean, I talk about Tim Keller so much. I try not to, but... <laughs> Um, it's hard not to. Well, you know, as we were talking about this, like pulling together resources, we all agreed, um, the three of us agreed. Um, and even when I was asking Lee, my husband, like what resources were helpful for you when you were answering these questions, they're all different. And I think, I mean, the story, we're all on a journey. We're all, and we've been asking these for decades Mm -hmm. and the Holy spirit will bring 
wisdom to you in some form or fashion. It might be through a sermon. It might be through a book. It might be through a friend. Like I, it, and it lo- has looked different for each one of us. Um, but I will say in my wrestling with the doctrine of justification by faith alone through Christ, um, a sermon that Tim Keller preached on the elder brother like years and years mm-hmm. and years ago. I know exactly what you're talking about. Was a pivotal, pivotal moment for me in my own walk. And so I think mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I always lean towards Tim Keller because he just has a way of explaining things for my recovering pharisaical heart that really gets me back to the gospel, the truth yeah. of the gospel. So yeah. anyway, I found um, he has multiple resources on Galatians, but I have, there's a, and it's actually a really user-friendly commentary um, by Timothy Keller. I think it's called Galatians for You. Um, and it's meant to be used. Um, it's like a lay resource on Galatians. So um, we use that one. Um, I know um, Susan has used Knowing God with oh, yes. a couple people in her huddle. Yes. Um, that's helpful in understanding more of the nature of God as some of these questions come up. I know she also used the stock commentary a good bit. Um, did you, you use Martin Luther's, right? Yeah, I really liked, and that Martin Luther's commentary is available online. So if anybody mm-hmm. wants to take a look without making a big um, investment in bookshelf space or finances, mm-hmm. that can be a great option. Yeah. Any others that come to mind? Yeah, I feel like I am always going all over the place. Um, so I also really liked N.T. Wright's biography of Paul, which is mm-hmm. a big, dense book. So you need to really like to read. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was hard to get through. So that's mm-hmm. saying something. But I found it so helpful to just get a picture of who Paul was and what mm-hmm. he was doing, mm-hmm. um, what was happening in Galatia, how his message to the Galatians fits in with the messages that he gives to other churches and why. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that really helpful. And so if you are reading Galatians and you just keep thinking, like, what is, what is Paul thinking? You want to know more of, like, the man behind the message, that would be a great option. Okay. Um, I also think if anybody just kind of wants to learn a little bit more, several years ago, the Gospel Coalition did a conference on Galatians. And so there's a whole series of videos on their YouTube channel that is just different pastors preaching through um, one chapter at a time. I listened to several of those as we were getting ready to teach, and I found that really helpful. Um, I also kind of tangentially... um, on this topic of like doubt and perseverance of the saints, as you persevere, you might find um, the prayer from every moment holy called for days and nights of doubt, um, mm. especially meaningful. I just have returned to that over and mm. over again. I read it this morning. Mm. Um, it's really wonderful. Yeah. And I know Susan referenced in a podcast early on mm-hmm. the American Gospel movie that's available on Netflix. I don't know if you watched it. I'd heard about it, and I actually have not gotten through the whole thing. But that would be very thought-provoking. Yeah. I started it. Okay. Either. Yeah, that could be really helpful. Um, yeah, so we're going to compile all of these into a yeah. document so that they're more easily accessible for you guys. But um, those are just some that like top of mind that yeah. have been helpful for us. Um, we continue to learn along with you, yeah. the learners in Christ. And um, you mentioned the, the catechism. We mentioned yes. the Heidelberg catechism mm-hmm. last week, and then you mentioned the West mentioned the Westminster this week. So mm-hmm. those are great framework. I like how yeah. you use the word framework too. Mm-hmm. And they have lots of scripture references, references mm-hmm. connected yeah. um, as a help too. So um, if you've loved this format, then good news for you is we're going to do it again. Yay. <laughs> we're not asking you to like and subscribe, but we could. <laughs> no. But if you don't like this format, it's okay. We, um, our righteousness is found in Christ, not well, in our I mean, podcast and our I like, method. I like the format and that I like 
getting to sort of team teach. Yes. I don't like that we're doing this because we can't be in person. I know. But so this is the next best thing. It is what it is. Um, so we are going to do it again. And um, we are talking about jumping into the book of Genesis. And I'm really excited. Spring. Well, I'm glad you're excited because I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> this always happens. We sort of switch back and forth. I know. But it felt like the, nat- the next natural thing. After studying the life of Abraham through Galatians and understanding the covenants yeah. that God um, and the promise that God made to Abraham. I just want to dive deep there. Yes. And I do love to go back and forth between New Testament mm-hmm. and Old Testament yeah. so we can get more of a balance. So yeah. we're heading to Old Testament yep. in the spring, later in the spring. Yeah. I think they have something else planned for like January, February, but later in the spring, mm-hmm. um, we'll be jumping into the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, we want to just encourage you to stay in the word. Yeah. This Advent season, hopefully all of these um, seeds that you're reaping, you'll see those continue to reap through the Advent season mm-hmm. as we focus on um, the waiting for the hope yeah. of Emmanuel, God with us. It's the whole point of mm-hmm. what we're reading about. So um, I had a prayer from the Divine Hours that I wanted to close us out with today. And it's uh, the timing of it was really interesting to me. I read it just this morning in my own time with the Lord. And I wanted to share it with you as you go forth into this Advent season. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning Grant me so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that I may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.